Find out the colors of you. I see them too, and boy, I like them. I like them. I like them. We wait to fly to partake in all this hate. We out here vibing. We vibing. We vibing. Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Toto for you guys today. No Africa. None of that. <sighs> Nothing like that. Instead, you're getting Louis Armstrong. A little bit of culture for you, and some depression, and some evil, evil darkness. I'm not even going to play Sound of Silence. I know Jeremy probably would like that. But guess what? He's not getting that. I'm not giving him that satisfaction. Ryan two Matthews, on the nose. Two on the nose. Ryan Matthews, the rock god, is not here with us. He in in a very fitting, probably punishment in a ring of hell. He's stuck over in parent-teacher conferences. So that's where we're at. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. Here to talk to you for the Pride of Detroit POD cast about a team we used to know, the Lions. We've come not to bury the Lions, but to wait, uh, not to wait. I, I've already screwed up my Shakespeare. Off to a fantastic start. I know. Just marvelous, marvelous. I'll just say this. If you're still listening to this podcast after with Monday's thrashing at the hands of the New York Jets, 48 to 17, Fresh in your mind. Congratulations. You're one of the real ones. Glutton for punishment. <laughs> Glutton for punishment. If you were at that game, congratulations. You're made of sterner stuff than I. If you were at that game and left during the third quarter, I don't blame you. I don't blame. I would have done the same thing. I really would have. I'm not one of those people. Like when I get a ticket to a football game, I want to stay for the full thing unless I'm feeling like drowsy or really sick. Like I want to stay for the full thing. I want to get the full price of my ticket but that was atrocious that was just an abomination in every every sense of the word we were writing recaps by the third quarter oh yeah i was i was essentially done with my work by the fourth quarter so i i wanted to leave too i wanted to get up right out of that press box just walk walk basically off off of the i-75 bridge just Listen, this is this is going to be a shorter POD cast because it's coming out on Wednesday because we're going to try to figure out if we might have a first bite with the 49ers guys probably Friday. If it happens, I, I really don't know. We're, we're off to a rough start with first bite already, and we're dealing with some internal stuff about where POD cast might be hosted here. And again, without Ryan, we're kind of missing our secret sauce in Ryan Matthews. So it's going to be a little shorter. I will say this next segment is all about the coaching, all about the coaching. Uh, Jeremy and I have agreed for that. We're going to start on the game itself and players, though, and we will get to your mailbag. We had a lot of other fun things planned for this podcast. Uh, Ryan had a Wally's World segment. We finally brought that back. We finally got something out of his father, Wally. That's gone. Uh, it was relevant to the game, but without Ryan here, it's useless. Jeremy had a rage corner about uh, other factors from the NFL. I think particularly about the Bears-Packers game from Sunday night. But we're not talking about that game. I don't think we're ever going to... We're not going to talk about that game at all here because what happened on Monday night was an abomination of the highest order. Like, this game... And I keep our... And I'm, Jeremy and I, I'm, I'm sure we'll go back and forth in this, but I feel like this game... Set Lions football back at least five seasons. Oh, I mean, that's a hard, a hard thing to say. But man, I can't remember the last time my fandom was challenged like this. Like, I was okay with 0-16 because I'd come to terms with it 
long before it actually happened. They had to bottom out. They had to bottom out before they could get good. Right. They they had to bottom out and it just felt it felt like something new was coming. Whereas Monday night, the new was here. We had just started a brand new era. We had just started what was hoping to be an immediately good team, although we obviously had our doubts from the preseason. And this team has been good in week ones. This team has been good in starting off the optimism right away. But this game just derailed everything. Everything that we were worried about in the preseason showed up. Everything that we were concerned about with Matt Patricia and and Joe Lombardi and the defensive roster was just as bad as we thought. And now one of the easiest looking games on the schedule is one of the biggest losses the Lions have had in the past five, 10 years. And it's hard to look forward and feel anything good about this team right now. The comparable thing was 2015. By the way, uh, I'm going to bring up 2015. I'm going to point out a little shot in Freud. You did say, I mean, uh, Freudian slip. You said Joe Lombardi there. I think you meant Jim Bob Cooter. Um, He absolutely did. But again, the comparable, no, no, it's fine because the comparable game I was going to say was when the Lions got demolished by the Cardinals in 2015, which was, I think, the start of Caldwell's downfall, kind of capped off that awful 2015, you know, skid. And yeah, Joe Lombardi got kicked to the curb. And I said, we're going to talk about coaching next, but you, you do mention it, though. I think that's where it grates me the wrong way. You can go back and listen to our first bite and it will sound prophetic. Everything we were worried about there saying, what if the preseason isn't a blip on the radar? What if they're, they're, they're not just going vanilla? What if this is what the Lions are? It all came true on Monday night. It all came true as Hank Williams Jr. talked about his rowdy boys. Those rowdy boys did not show up for the Detroit Lions. It's a home game to open the season, and it's awful from probably after the Quandre Diggs interception. The, the Quandre Diggs pick six was when the monkey paw curled. And all of a sudden, this team just decided to just forget the past five years of how it had learned to play football. And that's why I think, like, just, again, coaching next segment. But, like, just some of the players, some of the reactions, just, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't take it. It's, this, this was a team that is not the same old Lions. It was going places. It, had, it, it, it was going places not just because they had gotten Patricia and a new coach and a new scheme, but, like, there had been a growth in talent. There had been a growth in Matthew Stafford. And I think that's a good place to start. Like, let's start on Matthew Stafford. I haven't seen him look that bad since his rookie year. Legitimately bad. I mean, it might be since that Cardinals game where he got, he got pulled benched. in the yeah. second half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, con- it's not, I w- I'm not going to say it's not concerning because Matthew Stafford is, has shown that he's capable of these kind of games every now and then. You know, he's had 11. Now, I think 12 games where he's had three interceptions in his career. To be fair, we know the Jets' backfield is actually pretty good. Well, yeah, it's not that deep. No, and yeah, that's right. They're not as good as they they showed last last night. But it was going to be a challenge for Stafford. It was, but the mistakes he made were were inexcusable. Yes, no, Especially for a 10-year veteran. Um, I don't care who he was against. He was making poor reads. There were guys open that he was missing. There were reads that he was missing. And, you know, he, he was rattled by pressure. He made some really poor mistakes under pressure. Um, the, the second interception to, to Darren Lee for the, the pick six, very poor decision under pressure. He said afterwards, probably should have just taken the sack. Of course, why are they throwing on third and one? We'll talk about that a little bit later. But I don't know. It, if there's one optimistic thing, you can probably take to the rest of these 15 games remaining. It said Matthew Stafford's not going to play that bad. Uh, and I know, I know you're, you're walking a, a tenuous wire when you say, don't worry, things can't get any worse because that's the cartoon thing to say before an anvil falls on your head. I was about to say, are you sure you want that on record? This is going out in, <laughs> on in MP3 format and 96, 96 <laughs> kilobits. Are you sure you want to say that things that Stafford cannot play as bad as he played against the Jets? Because I don't think it's no. going to happen again this season. I really it's don't. You mentioned the Darren um, Lee throw. But I'm not going to say, I'm not going to also say that, oh, this is the worst that the Lions will play all yeah. season. I don't think that's necessarily true. 
Well, we're, we'll get into the schedule, I think, a little later as we talk about the coaching. But like I just again on Stafford, you mentioned the the Lee interception. That was one I was going to bring up of like two egregious passes, a less egregious one. But one I knew where there was still trouble going on is when Stafford threw that ball deep along the sidelines. It was meant for Marvin Jones. But to my eye, it looked like it was going straight for a Jets receiver. And Jones was the one who had to go and break up the inner break up what was going to be an interception. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it in terms of Stafford. I, it's not something that I'm long term worried about, but um, it's just it's disappointing to see coming out of the gate. Stafford, to his credit, took, you know, all the blame, essentially, as a, as a good quarterback does. But uh, that doesn't obviously excuse his performance. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to throw in the I'm not going to throw in the wrench pretty early. All I'll say, though, is like you, you can't have any more of those games, Stafford. You've he's Stafford can't have many more of those kind of games. He is too well paid, too well compensated to really to really expect like QBR of, of 10.7 on the night pass rating of 47.9. Uh, don't want to read off box score stuff, but like just everything you saw of the, th- the throws he made, the, th- the decisions he made, you don't expect that from him. And I know he wasn't getting any help from the offensive line. The next place we will go, which I don't understand. This has been the focus of this front office, this front office, this entire organization to rebuild this offensive line. It is 100% a Bob Quinn invention at this point between the two players he's drafted, Frank Ragnow and Taylor Decker. And free agencies picked up in Rick Wagner and uh, TJ Lang. Yep. yep. And uh, remind me, who, who was the fifth starter again? It, it was Joe Dahl, right? Or am I wrong? No, no, no. No. Uh, Frank Ragnow. Did you Grand get Glasgow, Grand Glasgow? Thank you. The name escaped me. Yeah. And another guy he drafted that Quinn drafted. Yeah. Totally a, totally a, a Bob Quinn invention. And that line let down the entire team that night. I don't, I don't agree. Okay. Don't agree. Okay. Well, what, what did you see that, that like, cause again, I thought, I thought pass protection was actually overall pretty solid. The only guy that really struggled was the guy in his first career NFL starter in Frank Ragnow. And absolutely that's disappointing. I mean, this is a guy who looked flawless, almost flawless in the preseason when he wasn't lined up uh, against uh Buccaneers defensive tackle, uh, McCoy, Gerald McCoy. Um, and, and, you know, the guy didn't give up a sack in the entire college career. Now, the Lions also didn't give up a sack, but that doesn't mean pressure didn't affect some of Stafford's play. Obviously, Stafford got beat up. One time he got stepped on by his own guy, so it's not really a pressure thing. The other one, he got belted, which is also kind of his fault, to be honest. It's like he a scrambled. chop block kind of deal, yeah. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, in terms of pass protection, I was actually pretty happy with the offensive line, and that's something that I think could be important yet, going forward. Because at, and yet, go ahead. and yet, I will just say I'm looking at the rushing numbers, and I can't blame all sure. of that on Carry On Johnson. But still, we end the night for the team with only 39 yards. Legarrette Blunt, Blunt didn't even get you know positive yardage. Theo Riddick leads yes. your night with four carries. Carry On Johnson couldn't really get much going on the ground. I get it; he's a rookie though. And Amir Abdul, of course, well, healthy yeah. scratch. And if you want to point to the run game in terms of the offensive line failures, you probably have a point here. It's also worth noting that the Lions had to abandon the running game pretty early in this game. Uh, By the time, you know, they were two minutes into the third quarter, there was no point in the running ball anymore. I saw them running so, pretty late too, though, just for whatever reason. Yeah, but that, yeah, that's another coaching thing that we'll get to. So offensive line worries, I'm kind of in the, let's wait and see this one out because I think, I think they might, they might steady the steady the boat here. The one concern I do have, obviously, is that one TJ Lang did not finish this game. He sat out the very last snap and was listed on the injury report with a back injury, questionable to return. He only missed one snap and kneel down. But I'm full of fear and panic, and I'm going to call you delusional on that. So, but I, I, we are nearly up against it, so I will be remiss if we did not give at least five minutes talking about this god-awful defense. You want to do that now or after the break? No, right now, okay. right now, we're doing it live. We're doing it live. This again, this was a failure in all three stages, and that's what makes it most galling. Sam, I couldn't, as a Trojan, as a USC alumni, I couldn't even enjoy Sam Darnold because everyone treated Sam Darnold as being excellent. He threw two touchdowns in this game. After that second touchdown, he was made 
irrelevant because what happened next was Stafford's pick six and then a punt return for a touchdown. 21 points all within the span of three minutes. The game was over at that point. You could go home after that. Like there, there was no point to it. And like, I want to talk, but yeah. So yeah, yeah. Let's talk, let's talk about the defense. Let's talk about the defense. There's no reason why Kenny Galladay should be your best defender. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was a whole kind of team effort that put the defense in a lot of bad situations. You know, obviously special teams was God awful too, all over the place. The turnovers don't help your defense because it has them on the field longer. And, and the Jets had amazing field position all game, but at some point the defense needs to be culpable too. And they absolutely were. I mean, the minute that Ezekiel Anza went down and boy, who saw, who didn't see that one coming? everything fell apart because this game actually started out pretty optimistically for the, for the defense, you know, obviously the pick six, then they force a punt on the next drive. Um, They're, they're getting some pressure. They get two sacks in the first quarter of the game. Devon Kennard and Ezekiel Anza both get on the stat sheet right away. Lines had two sacks the entire preseason. And guess how many sacks they had after Anza went out of the game? Zero. They were done. Once Anza was out of the game, they were done. No pressure up the middle, which big surprise you have two guys nearing 30 playing nearly every snap in the interior of the offensive line. Ashawn's scratched because I don't know why. And there's like no other defensive lineman on the roster. So of course the defensive line is going to get gashed by the running game. Of course, they're not going to bring any pressure from the inside. And you saw what happened. The Jets just ran at, at their own will. It was, it was disgusting. Yeah. Early on, like they, they were absolutely gifted with some good yardage. I'm a good, good starting positions, no doubt. But like, yeah, there, there's no reason for this front seven to look this bad. There's no reason like, okay, Quandre Diggs, can we excuse him from this? Or do we like, cause he, yes, he's excused. Okay. Him and Quandre, Quandre Diggs might be the best player on the roster right now. Him and Kenny Galladay, you two, you're excused. You can leave the room. <laughs> Everyone else, Tavon Wilson, holy, cr- I've never seen someone give up on a coverage like that. Nevin Lawson, <laughs> Nevin so- Lawson. <laughs> Tavon Wilson has been spending a little bit too much time with Nevin Lawson because on that long touchdown, he was there. He was in the right play to make the, the, the play. He turned his head and he couldn't make the play on the ball. It was in his hands. I can't. He was, he. He did his best Nevin Lawson impression, and Nevin Lawson continues to do the best Nevin Lawson impression around because he is Nevin Lawson. Jamal Agnew, I don't know why you came in in place of Tease Tabor, but Tease didn't exactly inspire confidence either. Apparently not. I mean, he played two snaps when when Darius Slay scared the living bejesus out of everybody and looked like he had a concussion. And I I mean, I, I don't know what to say. Like, the fact that I'm so mad about the defensive line and the secondary. And we're not even talking about the line, but like the linebackers get to have the, the night off of us yelling at them for once no, because no, everyone no, else just, is horrible. I just don't remember who's in the linebackers right now worthy to yell at. <laughs> well, like Jared Davis didn't have like some play that everyone was really mad about. There was one coverage play where everyone said it was, it was his fault. It wasn't, they were in zone and it was someone else's fault. They, they just didn't do anything egregious to show up. They just didn't play good either. That that's fair, but the defensive line really, really bad. The secondary, I mean, Isaiah Crowell. Isaiah secondary Crowell. is is a what one place where we thought this defense might be okay because of Quandre Diggs, because of Darius Slay, because of Glover Quinn. Glover looked old. Glover didn't even play a lot of the game. You know, he he was playing one hundred percent of the snaps every single game under Jim Caldwell. Every single every single wink that he was healthy enough to do so. This game, he gets downgraded, I think it was 74%. And for what reason? I don't know. Isaiah Crowell only had 850 yards last year. He got 100 last night. As soon as the Jets knew they could just run the ball at will, once again, Sam Darnold became irrelevant. Because all Crowell needed to do is just gash this thing repeatedly, just beat it up. He averages 10.2 yards per carry with two touchdowns including that egregious 60-some yarder. This is exactly the game plan that the Jets wanted to do. It was like, yeah, we'll, we'll ask Sam Darnold to throw it every now and then, but if we can keep his passes under 25 in a game, which they did, 16 of 21, this is ideal for him. Because the Lions defense did kind of show that Ben don't break early in the game, 
where they were like, okay, we'll give up four yards on first down. Okay, we'll give up four yards on second down, but we're going to bet that you're going to screw up on third down. And the Jets didn't screw up on third down. They screwed up maybe once or twice early. But they made that bet and they cashed out big on that. Right. Bet. And then that went completely out the window because then the Jets started connecting on big plays. The 41 yard touchdown, the 62 yard touchdown run. I mean, once that happened, then the floodgates were open. I get the feeling that if the Lions had kept that style of play where they are forcing a lot of third and shorts, then maybe, yes, eventually they do win this game. Or maybe they do eventually stay in this game because they got back in this game in the third quarter and then the floodgates opened because of all these big plays. And so if there's one thing that I'm trying to remain optimistic about is if you can eliminate those big plays, and they do kind of happen randomly sometimes, then this team can be competitive. But the the ceiling is them being competitive against bad teams like the Jets. And in that sense, this team doesn't look much different than the team that got beaten by the Bengals last year. All right, we're, we're waiting. Because we're, that, that was... I, I'm going to have to... I'm going to hold you there. Cause let, let's talk That's about fine. the schedule coming up here, too, as we talk about the uh, coaching. We're working our way up to a, a royal, I can tell. You're still holding it back, but I'm about to really get you good and frothing next segment. We're taking a quick break, and we're coming back to talk about the Detroit apocalypse. Pride of Detroit POD cast. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Pride of Detroit PODcast talking about, as I have now called it, the Detroit apocalypse. Seeing fans leaping by the before the third quarter is even over and being totally justified to do going, so. You're, you're, you're not, not a bad you're not fan. You're not going with Monday people. Massacre? No. Monday Night, Monday no, Night Massacre no. sounds pretty we, good. We need to... We need to Just saying. We need to contextualize this as far as, loca- as they say in the show business, location, location, location. All right. Now, okay, before we get into the coaching, real quick, one minute on this. We mentioned the schedule. Suddenly, the schedule does not look like a good start. Sunday, Lions have to go on the road for a afternoon game, one o'clock local time for me. Uh, at, to the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers did not look good. Granted, they also played the, the just grinder of a defense the Minnesota Vikings have. This could be home cooking for Jimmy Garoppolo to feel better. It's going to be a nice meatball soup for that Italian boy. I mean, we've already seen that the Lions are very good at hyping up young quarterbacks. Because yeah, now exactly. Sam Darnold's the best <laughs> thing since sliced bread. Yeah, you were railing against that so much during the Monday night broadcast. And guess what? You can't say anything about it now. You really can't because the Lions just gifted it. They gifted Darnold that homecoming he needed. Okay, are you talking to me or the Royal you? The Royal you for the entire blog. Okay, I was going to say because I knew I saw this watching, coming a mile. You, you, you weren't you weren't watching any of it. You were you, I mean any of the Monday night coverage you were you were at Fort Field, I know. You were hanging out with Ninja and his brother. <laughs> Next up after that is Sunday night against the Patriots, which I don't know if if NBC can flex that game already, but they can't. They can't. They're probably regretting that. Then it's on the road at Cowboys might be the most winnable game as we're talking right now. Packers to open up your October slate at Dolphins home against the Seahawks. Hey, great. A dual threat quarterback who, who I mean. Then here comes the grinder of November. At Vikings, at Bears, Panthers, Bears on Thanksgiving. Then to open December, you play the Rams. 
So what's it gonna? What's it like? We talked about how bad 2015 was as a start. This has a potential to be worse. Well, okay, I'm not going down to November at this point. We're one week into the season. Let's not start counting wins and losses there. Okay, okay, but after we just spent, hold up, hold up, hold up, but just like I I just want to say this for for those people saying it's only week one, we just did four weeks of it's only preseason. Sure, that that's my argument. That's my whole argument right there. Now, please continue. But so much can change in one week. We saw the Green Bay Packers season almost end on Sunday night. I'm just saying. It's week one. Let's calm down at least a little bit. I'll give you, let's, let's look to the bye week. Bye week is week six. We got four more games until then. Like you said, 49ers, okay, okay. Patriots, Cowboys, Packers. That's bad news. That's Packers, real yeah. bad news. That is staring 0-5, 1-4, maybe 2-3 and 3 down the barrel. And 2-3 and 3 would be a miracle. I wouldn't say it's a miracle because I think the, the Cowboys are bad. and. Who knows? I, I don't know what to think of the 49ers at this point. I don't really know what to think of well, the Lions me, at this me, point. But Let me do this to transition you. Let me do this this way to transition you into talking about the coaching then. Does Jim Bob Cooter survive to, yes. to the bye? He'll survive to the bye. I don't know if he survives to the season because, let, yeah, let's get into it. Let's get on, into all these coaching controversies that are already upon us in week one. Jim as they should be. No, no, they shouldn't. Maybe with Jim Bob Cooter, because he has now been around, this is what, his, his third and a half year or whatever. To, I have words for Patricia, but you go on about right, Jim Bob so Cooter. So if first. you are unaware, um, which I'm not sure how you are if you're also listening to this podcast, the Lions have been called out already for tipping plays with hand signals, with predictability. Um, Jets players like Deron Lee, the guy who had the pick six, the, line, the Jets linebacker said that he knew what was coming. The Jets did a bunch of film study on this team and nothing that they saw surprised them. Now, before I get into why that is concerning, let's downplay it at least a little bit because this isn't all that in common. There is an article on uh, NFL Wire, Touchdown Wire, the USA Today affiliate, where, uh, who is it, Doug Farrar, who was formerly of Sports Illustrated, interviewed Dan Orlovsky, talked about this exact topic. And Dan Orlovsky was very, you know, he knows, he knows all this sort of stuff because he's been in the league for 10 years. And he says, he knows about bad offenses. He he does know about bad offenses, but he knows how film study and and coaching and all that sort of stuff works. He's been right in the middle of it. So he brings up a good point that this stuff is, is not all that uncommon. And you tend to hear about the times that the players knew when the play was coming, but how many times are the players are going to say when, you know, they get beat like, oh, we thought this, like, I knew what was coming, but it turns out they did something completely. You don't hear about those instances. You hear about the times that the defenses guess right. You hear about the times in which the defense is like, oh, yeah, I knew that was coming. Of course, they're going to brag about that sort of stuff, about their, how good their preparation is. Now, all of that being said, Jim Bob Cooter absolutely deserves to be on the hot seat right now. Absolutely. And I'm not that concerned about the the tipping plays. I'm not even that concerned about the predictability. I'm concerned that for the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever year in a row, we're talking about this Lions offense as one of the best personnels in the league. One of the best wide receiving core. Now they have a really good backfield. They have an offensive line and they have a franchise quarterback. There is no reasonable reason why this team should not be a top five offense and they have not been ever ever maybe since 2011 and so i don't know i don't know what exactly joe lombardi's doing i keep calling him joe lombardi this is ridiculous jim but i don't know what jim bob cooter is doing wrong necessarily i do think there's some bad play calling in the mix but play calling is a really easy to, to armchair linebacker I do think there is some predictability. I do think that maybe the, he's not playing to the team's strength, which is obviously Matthew Stafford's arm and his receiving core and certain matchups in the receiving core that they, they could have exploited. I think they tend to be a little bit stubborn on running the ball sometimes, especially in the second half when you're down so much. I think they're ridiculously stupid in the way that they're using their running backs right now. Theoretic should never have a red zone carry. I don't understand that. But if you want to get all upset about the, the, the tipping the play calls, fine. If that's where you want to direct your anger, fine. But just know that the problems with Jim Bob Cooter run much deeper and are much more 
troublesome in, in other areas. And so I'm willing to give him a pass for a couple more weeks because he has turned around Matthew Stafford. He has made him a more efficient quarterback. He has turned down the interceptions. Obviously, Monday was an aberration there, but he's absolutely on the I don't want to see another screen play or, or, or a draw play on third, down, third and long ever again. This is this is this is the fucking that, that, do that than kills that. me because I, I, I understand all, all thirty two teams do that, but they shouldn't. Especially if you have a quarterback like Matthew Stafford, you're in a league where so many ticky tacky pass interference calls happen. You just throw an arm putt on third and sixteen. I don't care. That is so much better than a draw play. If you get picked off and they, you know, they get it down 50 yards. You're, you're giving up. You might as well go yeah. play Canadian. You might as well just go fucking play Canadian football and punt on third down. If you're running a draw play, shut the hell up talking about whatever is kind of efficient. I don't want to hear it. And I am not as lenient on Jim Bob Cooter. Now I'm in a full Royal now, which thank you, Jeremy. I am now warmed up. Now let's talk about Matt Patricia. I, I've let you go on Jim Bob Cooter. Can I have Patricia? I'm going to pull up some headlines, too, while I'm at it. Sean Windsor, Detroit Free Press. Detroit Lions hope Matt Patricia is in over its head. Mike Valenti from 97.1. I don't even know if fans have the capacity to be embarrassed anymore. This organization is essentially a butthole. These are all well-deserved right now. And, like, listen, this was the guy you wanted. Fans, fans who were sta- caping for Patricia all over the summer for various things that happened for various things happening during the preseason. For everyone who wanted to just have this deck cleared, who wanted Caldwell to get the hell out of town so they could get their, their cherished, their, their, their lord and savior, Matt Patricia, in here, who I spent watching ESPN most of the day, and the best analysis I could hear about Patricia was from Bomani Jones saying he needs to cut his damn beard. <laughs> That's the best thing I can... That, that was probably the best line that could be said about Patricia. But this is what you wanted, man. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? Because the, the narrative is, and the one I absolutely agree with, is a team that just didn't look like they had ever been prepared to play a game of professional football in their lives out there. And that speaks, that speaks to the head coach. All those wonderful, wonderful, delicious Patriot Way things, being snarky with the media, being... being uh, secretive, being combative, putting out new rules, everything else. I'm not going to go the Monterey's route. I'm not going to say he's lost this team. Uh, there's, there's some other agents out there talking about that stuff. We decided not to run anything on that because it's just rumors right now. But I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. I think we have some questions in the mailbag. It's a good way to frame it there. But I'm just saying, this was all the Lions and all the Lions fans wanted was this guy. And I don't care what's going to happen for the rest of his career right here. And maybe it's because I didn't want him in the first place. I didn't want him in the first place because there was nothing I saw out of New England, but made me think this guy was going to be a head coach. There was nothing he was doing in New England, no matter how long he spent there with Belichick, that made me think he was going to be any different from Charlie Weiss, any different from Romeo Cornell, any different from Eric Mangini. And this is what the Lions have saddled their wagon to. They saddled their wagon to a guy that could not get this team ready to play on Monday night, to play, as Jeremy pointed out, at Ford Field for a season opener when the Lions usually do pretty well. And I hate to keep bringing up the Jim Caldwell comparisons. I really hate to keep doing it. But once again, you cannot convince me that Jim, a Jim Caldwell team would have looked this bad. And part of this goes to Bob Quinn, too. Part of this goes to Bob Quinn, because it has been made abundantly clear looking at these scratches, looking how this roster has been changed, that no matter how, what the talent is, if you are not someone that these guys favor, that they have in mind for their, you know, their, their system, whatever system is in their chuckled little heads right now, then you're not, not going to be a part of this roster. And you know what? If that's the system that they're pushing, if that's the system that they've been scheming for for, for at least an offseason, maybe more, however long Bob Quinn's been in there, I don't want that system. That's awful. That's despicable. That's not football. Whatever the hell that was, that wasn't football. That wasn't the Detroit Lions out there I saw last night. That wasn't the Detroit Lions teams I've been watching for, for a very long time, and it certainly wasn't the one of the past four seasons, which again, bringing up Jim Caldwell there, man. 
everyone wanted him out of town for whatever reason. He didn't have the right pedigree. Guess what, Patricia? He got you your right pedigree. What did he show you on Monday night? What the hell did he show you on Monday night? Don't talk to me about pedigree ever again. Don't talk to me about pedigree ever again. This guy had all the pedigree in the world. Fucking rocket scientist. Did not have his team ready. Not a lick of it was ready. Nothing was ready. You had guys in the locker room afterwards talking about, you know, you could see it in their eyes about how this team was, you know, wavering after the, after the third quarter. I don't know what to really make of that. That's people just talking. But all I will know is this. I watched that press conference afterwards. I didn't see anything Patricia said that made me confident in him, in him is his capacity as a head coach. I'm absolutely with Sean Windsor's headline here. He looks like he's in over his head. He looked lost on that sideline. I've seen coaches lost on sidelines a lot between watching college football. Football people won't even watch. Like, and I, This league, as I said in my column, has seen people like Ben McAdoo. Just some people who just, you wonder how they get a head coaching role. I was wondering why Matt Patricia got a head coaching role last night. I know this isn't analytical. I know this is coming from my heart. And I don't care because there is nothing else that can be said with a rational mind about what the hell Patricia was doing on that sideline. And I don't know how much I can really even, you know, how much of this we can dole up because what's going to happen here is that Jim Bob Cooter makes for an excellent shield. He makes for an excellent person to fall for Patricia, especially when it comes to this offense. Uh, Paul Pasqualoni makes for an excellent shield when it comes to this defense. But at some point, he's the one who's going to have to take responsibility for what's happened here. He's going to be the one who has the arrow on his, who has the target on his back. And quite honestly, he probably should already. You know, if fans were ready to start bear, I'm just, no, I'm just saying, because fans were ready to start burying some other Lions coaches before we even began out here. Jim Caldwell gets one bad start to a season and already people want his head. You can't, you like, and this was supposed to be better than that. Organizations telling you right out of the gate, we don't think nine and seven is good enough. Well, was that, was that better than nine and seven last night? Is it going to be better than nine and seven this season? Ask yourself that. Ask yourself if you believe in this master plan. That's all I'm asking people to do. I'm not asking Jeremy for you to rebuke it. We're running up on time. I just want your thoughts on Patricia now. I just, quick things I just want to touch on. One, is is the Jim Caldwell stuff. I'm amazed by how many people have completely changed their opinion on on Jim Caldwell. It's it's amazing to me how quickly people forget how bad this team looked against the Bengals. I think the the team that we saw in, against the Jets looked not at all different to that one except it just had one series of of events. It only looked worse because of the the series of quick events that happened in the third quarter. The rest of the it game was identical. Worse. It looked worse. This is not for debate. You, you also touched on a point about, about Bob Quinn, who I think we need to talk about and we need to slam a little bit because let's talk about his last three, his last three second round picks. I mean, Amir Abdullah wasn't his, but Amir Abdullah benched. Ashawn Robinson benched. Tease Tabor essentially benched just special teams, comes in for two plays and doesn't do anything. Um, that is a big concern. And I understand that maybe he was drafting for Caldwell and whatever Caldwell was doing. And now he's trying to push those guys into Matt Patricia's system, which leads me to my next point. This offseason, we all bought into Matt Patricia under the guise that he could come in, take whatever players you have, build a system around him and make it successful. Whoever sold that message, I know I'm guilty of it, was selling a bag of shit. That is not what's happening. We're seeing guys who were contributors last year getting pushed out because they don't fit the system, because they aren't versatile enough, because they don't do what Matt Patricia wants them to do. That is not what we were sold. That that is what we told what we convinced ourselves was Terrell Austin's problem. Is that he needed guys that fit his system and the guys that we ended up getting were not good enough. Well, guess what? The guys that fit Matt Patricia's system, the Ricky Jean Francois, the Sylvester Williams, they aren't good enough either. How many and so this is going to be a long process. I think that's what we have to come to realize. And no one wants to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I'm sick of waiting. But this is going to be a long process. And part of it has to do with the culture change that we're going to talk about when we talk about losing the players and all that stuff. It's going to be a long process. And I don't know how long fans are going to be willing to wait. I don't know how long Mrs. Ford is going to be willing to wait. But it's going to be a long process for this defense to look good. And it's gonna, it might take beyond this year 
for we for us to even see a little peek of that. time hashtag ask pod as always get your questions in jeremy um no refuse reviews are canceled for the time being but we do have two in the hopper one good one bad just just to prepare for next week one good one bad axe the bad we're not doing we're not doing bad ones anymore we're trying to we're trying to right get for the brand no, we've got a lot of questions, and I want to get to some of them because some of them right. aren't lions related, and some of them are. And I know we're going to probably spend both a lot of time on one or the other, especially since Ryan isn't here to help me buoy the non-lions questions. So we start with Lethal Sacks. Where do you find eight wins on the schedule? No, I'm not doing this. I'm sorry. It's too early. It's week one. I'm not. I'm not going through the schedule. Sorry. All right. Not playing your games. All right. Cletus, so let's, let's, let's wait a second week. Let's wait for a road game, okay? Okay. Uh, you're you're gonna you're gonna have you're gonna have some problems, man. Anyway. Next question here. Andrew uh Andrew Guckle. I'm sorry if I'm saying it wrong. Is Carlos right? Did Patricia lose the locker room? Now right, you want to talk. You want to talk about this because Mike Garofalo from NFL Network also brought this up by way of not not Carlos's column from way back over the summer, but I think an agent. So and it like listen, there, yes. it's it's Car- it's Carlos going on. I think a couple of lines that he's taking very much so out of context and really digging for that got a lot of play, especially when uh, Colin Colin Cowherd picked it up. And an agent, which, I mean, agents plant that kind of stuff all the time, but there is kernels of truth to what they're talking about. Yeah. Let me, can I set the background? Let me set the background. Yeah. Mike Garofalo put a report actually three days before the game. So I guess it's worth noting that this issue popped up right before the game was played on Monday, saying that some players were concerned they were working too hard in training camp that they'd be gas for the season opener. And that a lot of the, the veteran players, quote unquote, veteran players uh, were upset with some of the new rules. Um, the one that he specifically was mentioned was no social media posts or pictures from the locker room. Okay. If that, if that's enough reason to lose a player's confidence, then sorry, fuck that player. But on, on, on the same, okay, I, I, I want to jump in because on the same front, haven't we seen this play out all before? Nick Saban, you know, yelling at a Dolphins player to tie his shoes and suddenly like he can't control that locker room too. And for a guy who's never co- coached, a, had a head coaching gig before to come in and just impose rules, that, that's a story as old as time in the NFL. And that never sure. is a story with a happy ending. You're not necessarily wrong there. And and there is something to be said about a, a guy coming in bullheaded saying, this is the way we're going to do things, blah, 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 blah. Um, l- let me just put a little more background on this before I jump in. Um, then he tweeted out a couple of things kind of clarifying. He says, quote, an agent for a player on the team told me he was he was be interested. That's how it's written <laughs> to see how they played week one because they were run hard in camp. Thought they might be out of gas. He texted me last night after the game. I kind of predicted this. Not kind of. He flat out called it. So this goes to my point about a big culture change happening. I understand that a lot of veteran players are not going to be happy with the culture change, especially coming from Jim Caldwell, whose kind of methods were certainly more player friendly, more, hey, let me understand you face to face. Let me, you know get to know each individual player and, and not saying Caldwell does or not saying Patricia doesn't do that, but it's certainly a more friendly atmosphere. You know, they, they had a ping pong table in the, in the locker room. They don't have that anymore. Um, but this, this goes to, I mean, the, the debate that the Patriots were having a couple 
months ago where it's like, do you want a happy and fun uh, locker room and practices that are super fun? Or do you want one that's serious and down to business and gets the job done? Now, I'm not saying you can't have both. You can absolutely have both. But when you go through such a different, a, a drastic culture change from Caldwell to Patricia, some people are going to be mad. That's absolutely true. That's that's human. It's it's absolutely human. You're you suddenly suddenly your job suddenly your job yeah suddenly your job is one hundred percent completely your your whole workspace your 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 office space is completely changed. Yes. And so you can't tell me someone at their day job right now wouldn't just be pissed off. Yeah, right. Of course, absolutely. And this isn't to say that Caldwell's thing is right or Patricia's you know point of view is right. I think you can succeed in both terms. There's going to be some rockiness. It's going to be compounded by this slow start. You're, maybe you do start to lose some players. But to say that he's lost the team in week one because of some rule changes about your Instagram posts is ridiculous. Let's just put that out there. It's ridiculous. Maybe some veteran players aren't happy. Maybe they're going to be even more questionable if the Lions come out and lay another sinker in San Francisco. But to say he's lost the team already or he's even in danger of losing the team already I think that's ridiculous. I think some players might just be upset with some changes. Like we said, normal under any sort of management change. But wins heal everything. And I don't think the Lions played poorly because of any way the Lions coached so far. I, I don't think I buy that they were gassed going into the regular yeah, season. Yeah, I don't buy the gas. I just I, don't I, buy I that. do buy if there are some players checking out. And I will say this. The idea of the tyrant coach is becoming more and more extinct. Because that kind of tyrant attitude really only works if you are someone as accomplished as Bill Belichick or Nick Saban. If you're coming in and just spouting, and, and, and why... Nick Saban, by the way, rebuked from the NFL, rebuked from the NFL in spite of all the pedigree he had at the college level coming in. Like just because these guys, these guys aren't college players; they're men, they're grown men. They know they have a contract, and they know that they can that they're the ones who have the power there. And so I just I I don't know I I don't I don't peg Patricia as the tyrant. That is the only thing right now. Like the rule changes are very weird, and I, I just personally as an observer I don't like them. But I I'm not going to jump right now without more stories to say he's acting the tyrant and losing people. That's that's yeah. All right, let's get it. I mean, it, it's just it's. It's going to be rough because, I mean, in addition to, you know, the bad loss, they're also sending, you know, some interesting messages in terms of their personnel, getting rid of a guy like Anthony Zettel, who by all means was liked in the locker room. Benching a guy like Ashawn Robinson is about is probably going to turn some heads and either make people anxious or upset. And right, we have a lot more questions. That, that's we just going to happen. We have a lot more questions. I, I hate to okay. just pull it Sorry. on here, but you, as I said, this is going to happen. This is going to happen because we have so much to get through here. So let's back away from the Lions for a second. Uh, Joseph R. Sweeney asking us, with TV shows coming out back for the fall season, which ones are you looking forward to coming back the most? Man. I have an answer here. It's already been going on, and it's the Venture Brothers. And I will praise that. I will praise the Venture Brothers to whoever... Uh, well, listen, my only regret is that by the time you hear this and go start watching the Venture Brothers, A, it's an incredibly dense show. You'd have to go back about like now six seasons to really get it. B, uh, usually these seasons are only like 10 episodes, so it would be, it's going to be about halfway yeah, done. I'm, I can also vouch for Venture Brothers. Definitely a good show. I, I'm one of those people that is, seems to have fallen behind on them for whatever reason, but... Um, you really should catch up. Like Season 7 yeah. has been amazing. I'm trying to think what else. I'm, I'm in the middle of Better, Better Call Saul. It's literally the only TV show that I'm watching right now because I'm so busy with everything else. Uh, mm-hmm. It's Always Sunny's coming back. South Park is coming back. I'm ready for It's yeah. Always Sunny. I'm so and ready. That's kind of a hit or miss show for me. I think it's a little bit overrated, but it's, it's still worth watching, so I'm not going to get mad at people for liking it. I don't know what else. I, I'm Fair lost enough. on TV okay. right now. I'm... I'm I need to get Ozark season two. Ozark All season two, that's is, like one on my list right now. Mm-hmm. I will say this, though. Oh, well, do you have any interest at all in Jack Ryan? I don't Ryan think so. No? I don't like Tom Clancy stuff. I, it's really, it, it really puts me off. Like, I've had some people try to get me into Tom Clancy video games even. I'm like, no. Just like anything with that worldview just kind of really turns me off. I will say this, though, from watching, you know, network TV for the first time in like a, since the last NFL season, there are some really <laughs> shitty shows being thrown oh out my. there. Like God friended oh me. 
Like every time I see that, I want to roll my eyes so hard out of my socket. Well, I don't know. No, you, you obviously weren't watching local TV when when the Bucks game got weather delayed. I don't remember what CBS show ha- showed up before then. I think it had Matthew, not Matthew Perry, the, the other dude from Friends was in a show, and it was the worst sitcom I've ever seen in my life. It was so bad. I don't know who watches CBS. They keep saying they're the number one watch network in TV. Who's watching CBS? I've never met someone who watches CBS. Well, I mean, you're going up against, I mean, that means you're going up against Fox, ABC, and NBC. I mean, that's these aren't low bars to clear when it comes to network primetime television. Netflix is killing everybody. Really? Like, I mean, my, my parents, my mom, my mom my mom is like, and, and that's it too. Like I'm thinking about this because my mom right now is the core audience for this kind of, of, of television. Now, it's not saying she has bad taste, but she works very hard as a carpenter and as a, and, you know, making custom furniture. And she goes home and sits down and watches, you know, TV with a cable package. Thank you, Buckeye cable system for Toledo. And, but like, she doesn't watch network TV anymore. She used to like, the only thing she probably watches on network TV is like the voice. Right. Because other than that, she's going over those cable channels. She's watching Shark Tank. She's watching Pickers. She's watching that stuff. They're the ones who are doing like those are the people who are doing those shows better than these like unbelievably bad sitcoms and just just cloying melodramas. I don't know who they're going after. I really don't. I don't even think my grandma watches any of that stuff. I think they, they, they're just underestimating the intelligence. I want to hear from you. <laughs> Do you think me getting irrationally angry at young Sheldon is me redirecting my anger towards something when something else is making me mad right now? I don't think so, right? I think I think young mm-hmm. Sheldon deserves all that anger. Actually, you know what I'm angry about right now? And it's a completely irrational anger. But it's this new, ma- it's this Magnum P.I. remake. I liked the original Magnum P.I. And I'm not ready to see this being ruined. Because that's that's the icon, that's the icon of the tiger's cap right there. Tom Selleck with the Magnum, with the Detroit Tigers cap, wearing Hawaiian shirts, driving Ferraris. That's your brand. Like that, that's, that is my brand, except for the mustache. I've grown a mustache before. I'm not going to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Bad idea. Worst idea I've ever had in my life. And I've had a lot of bad ideas. (sighs) Treeson asking us. Nick Bosa or Ed Oliver with the number one overall pick? Uh, no. Emoji. Stop it. Listen, I'm pretty <laughs> sure on first bite I said something like, I don't think the Lions have a chance of being a top 10 pick. Please strike that from the record, but I'm not talking about the draft. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. I'll, I'll have to bring on Alex sometime because I'm sure we are probably going to have to start talking about the draft before the NFL season is over. I'm just saying. That's my opinion, though. That is my opinion all right um eric schlitt from our competitor lions wire can you explain the rules of the press box with regards to cheering you son of a bitch eric he put me on blast what happened listen okay well this is this is my first real game that i covered as as lions media i was in the media press box and you know before every game they're like just so you know we we go under the NFL Pro Football Writers of America standards where there's no cheering in the press box. Now, normally that's all you hear, but if you listen really closely, there's they speed it up kind of like the infomercial like terms and conditions. Like they say, but if your season starts on a pick six, you're allowed to yell really loud. And so <laughs> when the Lions got a pick six on the very first play, I let out an involuntary yeah. And hey, you know what? See, I didn't get okay. thrown out. I, I, and there were Jets fans right next to me in, in the row behind me or in the row in front of me. They were clapping the entire game. They should have been thrown out. So, Eric, don't you come at me. Come <laughs> at those Jets fans. I'm pretty, hurt, pretty sure I heard them going J-E-T-S, Jets, and Jets, too. So throw those guys out. I'm fine. I think I, think, I think I like doing an exclamation like, oh, or wow, or something. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've, I've, heard, I've heard that in press boxes before. I've gone to baseball games for that kind of stuff, but. Going, but, yeah, I mean, how could you not get excited? Whatever. Out of we had all this pent up aggression and for one game pass. Yes, and I mean, just like all the frustration and anxiety I had from the preseason, it all went away for one play where Quandre Diggs was like, "Okay, you know what? 
they they took the tarp off the team. Or this is this is it. And then everything else happened. All right. Canada yeah. Lair, can we now forever lay to rest the phrases vanilla game planning and preseason doesn't matter? Vanilla okay. game planning, I'm absolutely ready to lay to rest. Like you you would have thought Patricia uh, was hiding his entire playbook with the way people were excusing some of the preseason. We we did see some new wrinkles, but he also let us know like if you if you're here every day at practice, you're seeing what we're doing. And so Yeah. I I and I also let me let me adjust. I do think there are some things that you can take from preseason. Preseason record absolutely doesn't matter. No, the 1, doesn't matter, but everything record. else does, yeah. Not everything else. Any anything in the first half matters. Anything in the second half doesn't matter. And we saw the Lions suck in the first half of the preseason games. And so that should have been, you know, red flags all over the place. And, and we talked about it. We, we saw the red flags. We acknowledged them. All right. We've got to move a little faster through here. Kiva Tron wants to ask us, I can't believe this. People are turning on the uniforms already. Uh, when are they getting rid of those sickening cream puff uniforms? <laughs> what? All yeah, blue what? is tight. I love all blue. Get out of here. I is this also I, the comments like, how, how are they ever going to strike fear into their opponents wearing those? Is, is that the same tweet? I mean, man, listen, comment? like, I I mean, someone, yeah, it's a comment. It's a comment. I saw someone tweet that. What? What team has ever been terrified of a uniform? Whatever. What team was like, oh, my God, did you see that all black uniform? I'm not sure if we're going to win tonight. The Detroit has never gone through anybody's Detroit head. Pistons won three world champ uh, championship nba championships wearing like red white and blue which are like the least fear inspiring combination of colors in the world sorry america it's true <laughs> ah, let's... the lions got their uniforms right on monday it's literally the only thing they got right jojo wicker fan asking us how do you like your salmon seasoned <laughs> jojo, jojo wicker fan <laughs> oh jojo wicker fan uh, how do I like my salmon seasoned? I'll go with this smoked. What are my options? Smoked raw and on a on on a bagel okay. with some with some cream cheese. Oh, dude, dude, you you win. Mm. We're we are in full agreement here. Well, Locks and bagels. I, I'm about to ask you for your opinion. That should be as, our national food. Yeah, I was about to say as your opinion. I want to get your opinion as a Jewish man then, because I know Cynthia Nixon from New York. Since you know now Detroit is owned by New York. Got in trouble this week. This week, you know, she's going for the governorship against Andrew Cuomo. She got in trouble from I think Gotham has put her on black because she blast because she ordered like a lox bagel, you know, with all the stuff capers. I think tomato and onion even, but she got it on a cinnamon raisin bagel. Where do you stand on that? <laughs> that seems wrong. Listen, maybe I, it's good. Maybe it's as sweet. much as we talk about food here and, 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 and salt and sweet and it's. It doesn't seem like a good combination for me, but you know what? I'm not the guy. I, I know it sounds like I'm the kind of guy that throws people under the bus for bad food takes. I'm willing to let that one slide. Yes, yeah, because she got because bagels and locks are just such a it wins dynamic it duo, wins. and it saddens me that I, I put it out on Twitter once, and and I got so many replies like, "I've never had bagels. I've never even heard of locks." You're on this podcast. You've not had bagels and locks. Go to the Star Deli or whatever Jewish deli is closest to you and get it tomorrow morning. Do it. Yeah, if you're in... And then get in my mentions and say how smart Okay, if you're in Toledo, go to Berry Bagels and get one. I'll just throw that one out there for my Toledo people. It's good stuff. I'm Catholic, and I love that stuff. <laughs> All right, let me find some more questions here for us. Uh, Alex Siegel asking us, physical therapy or chiropractor? Physical therapy, man. Like, I've never gone to a. No, I haven't either. I've done physical. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I don't know. But the problem is, like, back injuries are so sensitive and and so prone to relapses, which is why I'm nervous about TJ Lang. If I wanted to bring it back to the Lions, because he's got another back injury that he had. He also had one last year. But yeah, I mean, I hear very mixed things about chiropractic. I mean, like some people treat it as kind of a cure-all, so I'm not sure. Uh, funny enough, we have a question here about Marquez, and uh, he got he got put on waiver today. So, Bradley Marquez for Ryder. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah. Okay, just just real yeah. quick. What's, 
Yeah, like what's fifth or sixth wide receiver kept on the roster? I think uh, what, like what what do you because I've seen some takes and like why is it so like it feels like an overreaction to throw him out there, but at the same time, like what was he doing here in the first place? But I don't know. I don't know what your take is there, but you should probably find some. I mean, it's a cl- it's a clear mistake made. I, I don't know if it's a huge one. I mean, it it, mm-hmm. it certainly could have swung the first game at least a little bit. The, the guy was kept on the roster purely for special teams, and he looked lost out there in the special teams. He he was part of the reason that Andre Roberts looked like a guy the Lions should have kept for a long time. Um, his work as a gunner was, was god-awful, and he looked like he had never done it before. And so if you're... The thing is, the Lions kept a lot of players on this roster, like Charles Washington, like... Uh, like... Like Marky... Uh, the guy that we're talking, Bradley Marquez, I, I want to say Mar- Marquis Flowers, Bradley Marquez, just for the special teams. And the Lions special teams went out there and laid the biggest, fattest egg they've laid in three years. And so, yeah, that deserves some criticism. I mean, the Lions had a couple special teams guy on this team last year, mainly Don Carey, who they decided not to keep around. And now Don Carey's apparently working out for the team. Maybe they bring him back. But, uh, yeah, I, I think you have to question some of the personnel decisions. Uh, that the team made if if they went strictly on special teams and they went from one of the best units last year to one of the worst performances we've seen out of the special teams unit in, in all right I almost want to say um, a decade. we're gonna have to go fast on this I've got at least three four good solid questions I want to get through and we're all already over 20 minutes Ryan Collins Shafty Von Hack aside from pineapple and anchovies what are some other forbidden toppings people like to put on pizza I don't know if they like it, but all I will say is that one of my favorite things I had when I was learning Japanese in my first university was we would use takeout menus to try to learn some some characters and everything. And you would not believe some of the things that Japanese pizza places put on their pizza. We're talking like slightly. We're talking. Aren't there some pizzas with a like a mayo base? No, they 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 put. I um I don't know if they're. I mean, there might be. This is America. Weird things happen, but they do drizzle mayo up and down it. Uh, they also use corn and slices of hard boiled <sighs> egg. So, see, I, I think that could work. I I that could see corn. You know work. what? Egg might be a little trickier, but the one I just don't like olives. I know this this makes me a bad Jew, but I don't, I don't I like olives. olives on pizza. Mm-hmm. I, I did have Black a friend. Olive, well, I'll piss you off with this. I did have a friend, a vegetarian and su- friend of mine in Savannah, Georgia, he used to order his pizzas from Papa John's with uh, pineapple and olives. Listen, can we can we talk very very briefly about pineapple? No, we can't. What are people's problems? Pineapples are delicious, and it's fine. Got to move on. You're being more rational than I am with my mozzarella sticks. Hey. Ah, we got to move on. We got to move on. Let's see this here. Um, sorry, I just had this up and I am completely ruining it by losing it. Kung Fu Grip asking us, uh, ownership question, any meat on the allegations Dan Gilbert is divesting casino interests to make a go at NFL ownership or is it just speculation? First off, I don't think uh, we are experts on any of that. B, I don't know what... Go on. I've heard this. I actually was talking with the aforementioned Eric Schlitt about this a little bit. And the theory is that you can't have stock in a casino if you own to, to own a, a, an NFL team. You're not allowed to have both. So now that Gilbert has relinquished himself from that, he might go for an NFL team. I mean, he's also trying to get an MLS team. That, that's all we so. know. Yeah. I think, yeah. And I think making that leap of logic that now he's going for an NFL team is a pretty big leap, leap in logic. And if you think it's going to be in the Fords, I think. You're, you're fooling you know, yourself. I don't think there's any team. interest that the Fords have in selling the team. And even even if if Martha Quinn, you know, passes in the next five years or whatever, I don't think it's leaving that family. So I don't know. You want you, if if I don't get the obsession fans have with ownership because most of the football decisions aren't coming from them unless you have a Jerry Jones type. The Lions don't have a Jerry Jones type. So yeah. if you're Upset about the direction of this team, it, it has very little to do with how Martha Ford is running the team. Yeah, and remember how people were so all care. talking about her as like you know Martha Firestone. Yeah, charged up. Yeah, yeah. Funny how those things change. Um, critical perspective. Let's say the Lions secretly discover they could program a robot to call the plays based on game situation. 
for example, down in distance time remaining? Would they actually dress the robot up in lion's attire per NFL rules for coaches? How much would I have to worry about Russians hacking the robot and then trying to send in sabotage plays? If Russia did hack the robot and send in sabotage plays, would anyone notice the difference versus what we saw against the Jets? Because it sure looked like Russian-controlled bots were trying to sabotage the Lions based on the plays that were called. This is the best question we've ever gotten. He's He's trying to break some news here that maybe... Lions don't have an offensive coordinator. They have a Russian hack bot calling offensive plays. Damn you, Putin! Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, Maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs> 